but I know that you will be blessed by the ministry of Pastor Gary Wimberly. And so, Brother Wimberly, would you come please and open up the Word of God? Well, I, I was thinking as we were sitting there, uh, I have preached in this church more than any other church besides the church I pastored. And uh, so I'm grateful for that. I'm blessed for that. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans, if you would, Romans chapter 15. And uh, hey, guys, back up the picture to the church that had the rainbow, if you would, around it. There's our church there in uh, Lancaster. And uh, I said that correctly, Lancaster. And uh, they, they have been on my case uh, about it. And so I'm thankful to say it correctly. Uh, I will say this, a guy gave me a piece of paper to help me remember how to say it. It's L-A-N-G with the accent, Lang, K-I-S-S, kiss, then ter, Lang-kister. And uh, so you'll never forget it now, you got it. And uh, so we, we are excited to be there. Um, uh, we stepped out from Maranatha uh, a little over a year ago uh, by God's leading, by God's grace. We love Maranatha, love the fam church family there. Uh, they didn't want me to leave, and, uh, but we knew the Lord was leading that way. And went back into uh, the workforce for over a year. And uh, then my boss, who I worked for, begged me not to leave. And, uh, and so, but we know the Lord opened this door, and we're grateful. We close on our house uh, in Millville on Friday of this week. And so my wife hates it that she's not here, Ethan's not here. She woke up this morning and go, I can't move. Uh, we have been packing feverishly uh, to get everything done. And then, on top of all that, we leave October the 12th to go to Atlanta, Georgia. My oldest son, Luke, is getting married. And so all this is happening at one time. So I don't even know what day it is. And uh, I don't even know where I'm at. I'm not even Jersey anymore, I don't know. But, uh, but everything is, is just in God's timing. The Lord's been good. Uh, he, he provided us a house this past week in Lancaster, uh, so we, that's in the works as well. So we are just so grateful uh, to be here. I love your pastor. Uh, I love your pastor's wife. I love their family. He's been my good friend um, uh, for now the last 10 years. We've been here uh, in New Jersey. And uh, now when I, I don't know, some of you that are new, uh, you wouldn't know this. Your pastor did have hair at one time. <laughs> I saw the hair. And it was big. <laughs> and it was beautiful. And it was the envy of every guy in college to have that big, wavy hair that he had. And, uh, but uh, we've been friends since college and uh, acquaintances and, and really solidified our friendship over the last 10 years. And uh, I've been so grateful to pray for him. He's prayed for me. We call, we text, and we stay in touch. And it's such a blessing uh, to be here with you today. And, uh, and I know it's hard on missions. Uh, we talked before uh, he really revamped the missions here at the church. And uh, I'm so grateful today to close this out. Now, I will say this. Uh, you can go ahead and take it to the next, the next slide, guys. Um, when he asked me to uh, preach uh, the closing meeting uh, for your month, I, I knew about, I knew about uh, uh, 2035. I knew the goal. I, I've known it for a while. And the first thing that came to my mind as I was praying through it, thinking about it, a vision 2035, the first question that popped in my mind is, can it be done? Can it be done? And the answer is the title of my sermon, it can be done. 
it can be done. Now, I'm going, most of you have heard my preaching style, and I'm going to actually preach the message today different than I've ever preached any message before. And we're actually going to work through all of Romans 15 this morning. Now, there's no way for me to spend a lot of time, and uh, maybe your pastor can take the message and, and preach a series out of it. I don't, you know, or maybe when I come back next time. But I, when, I, when I think about this topic of getting a missionary in every country in the world by 2035, immediately the Lord took me to Romans 15. And, and I want to work through that it can be done, and I want us to see how, from Paul's letter, how it can be done. What is it going to take for you, the church, with the Lord Jesus Christ to get it done. So uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to read the whole chapter to start off, but I do want to uh, bring your attention to verse number 20, and then we're going to go back to verse 1 and start working through this. Verse 20 says, this is Paul the apostle, the, the great missionary, pastor, evangelist. Here's what he says to this church. Yea, so I've strived to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. That really is what we're trying to do, is to get the gospel where Christ is not named. It can be done. Let's pray together. Lord, it's a big task, but I'm thankful we have a big God. And so, Lord, you would never give us anything to do that could not be done. And you told us to go into all the world and make disciples of every creature. And so, Lord, there's the task, there's the mission. As Pastor Rydell has already said, we're to be on mission. Here's the mission. And, Lord, now it's time to get it done. So, Lord, we want to acknowledge that we know with you it can be done. So now how, as we, the church, how do we take the steps to partner with you to see it happen? Would you open our eyes, Holy Spirit, that we may see, open our ears that we may hear exactly what we are responsible for today in our part of Vision 2035. And Lord, my prayer to you for this church is that it would not be just a vision, but Lord, it would be an accomplishment. That God, you would do it through them and in them and with them in the coming years. Bless your word, bless the service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, go ahead and hit the next slide, guys. Uh, let me just, I wanted to, and I, you've probably seen these numbers, you know these numbers. Uh, I know Brother Ken Fielder, he's my good friend, he's talked to you. Uh, Dr. Keen has been here. Uh, they're all good friends, and we all regurgitate the same numbers because that's what they are. And uh, if you look uh, on any statistics today, uh, the United Nations recognizes 167 countries in the world. However, there are 193 recognized governments in the world today. And uh, if you look to the Joshua Project website, which is the kind of the leading people on unreached people groups, they say there's 17,441 
people groups, meaning there's a group of people that have their own language, their own culture, their own affinity, and their own religious belief. And of those 17,441, that makes up the world's population of 7 billion people in the world today. Of those 17,000, 7,407 are considered unreached. Here's what that means. They do not have a messenger, they do not have the message, nor do they have the means to reach their own people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of them, and even most of them, are what we not only consider unreached, but they're unengaged, which means this, that no one is even trying to reach them today. Now, if you took the 7,407 people groups that are unreached and unengaged, that is almost half the world's population. Over 3 billion people this morning or afternoon or evening, wherever they're at, do not even know there is a Jesus, do not even know there's a hell, they do not even know there's a heaven that they can go to, they don't even know there's a Savior that came to die for them on the cross. So as we sit here today, and, and please understand, I, I'm very passionate about this. I, 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 I worked at this for five years to get people the gospel. And I, I want us to understand this morning that today, today where we sit in a building with lights and air conditioning and cushioned pews and, and enjoy the, the just a, I almost gave an invitation, right, the last song there. The music and the worship, would you know today there are, Three billion people that don't even know that there's a God to worship. God's been good to us. And as you think about this, when I see all these numbers, what came to my mind and heart was this, is how? Is it even doable? Can it be done by 2035? And, and again, as I said earlier, it, it brought me to... The Holy Spirit brought me to, to Romans chapter 15. Now, before we jump into verse 1, here's what we need to understand. Paul's writing what some historians have considered the fifth gospel. It's Paul's letter to a church at Rome, in Rome, Italy. Now, I want you to do some creative thinking with me this morning. And imagine this letter is being written to Open Bible Baptist Church in Williamstown, New Jersey. So to the Open Bible Baptist Church at Williamstown, Paul's writing a letter. It is probably, not probably, it is the most extensive uh, doctrinal and theological writing of Paul that is recorded for us. And yet, when you come to Romans 15, the tone of the letter, the, the writing of the letter begins to change and now Paul is not writing as a, a doctrinal treatise. He's not writing a theological position for the church. But now he, in Romans 15, is writing a prayer letter. Because he is a missionary. He is a church planner. He is, we just read, he is striving to take the gospel to where Christ is not named. And the, the next to the last chapter of the book, Paul is writing from his heart. He wants something, he has something for this church to know and to recognize and understand that everything that I just said culminates into this moment, chapter 15. So my question to you is this, Paul, what is it that you have to say to us from chapter 
15. His instruction, his encouragement, his challenge to us in chapter 15 is this, to fulfill the mission of God. Your pastor just clearly told us a minute ago, found in Matthew 28 and 19 and 20. Now, some of you are familiar with me, some of you may not be, and that's okay. Don't, don't judge open Bible by me this morning. Come back next Sunday. But I, I want you to know from my heart, this is my heart this morning, I, I feel as comfortable here as I do anywhere. And because of that, I'm going to be very plain with you this morning, very clear, very honest. God only has one mission, just one. He only has one mission, meaning that is what God is ultimately working everything towards. First part, the first part of his mission is he wants the world to have an accurate picture of himself. See, that's what Satan did at the fall, is he distorted man's picture of God. Remember what Satan said to Eve? Yea, hath God said? He's holding out on you. God's a liar, Eve. He's, listen, he doesn't want you to eat the fruit because he knows you'll become like a God. And right there in the very beginning, he gave the world an inaccurate picture. And ever since, God has been working to the world to have an accurate picture of himself. In Exodus 9, 16, he said this, And in every deed for this cause I have raised thee up, speaking to Moses and the children of Israel, for to show thee in my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. To David in 1 Kings 18, verse 37, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back Again, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verse 14, it says that we have, He has come full of grace and truth, and we beheld Him, the only begotten Son of God, full of His glory, the Father's glory. John 17 and verse 4, Jesus said these words, I have glorified Thee, meaning I have given them an accurate picture of You, Father, on the earth. The first part of God's mission is for the world to have an accurate picture of God, but the second part of His mission is for us to make disciples and worshipers of all people. If you go to John chapter 4, Jesus met a woman at a well. And here's what Jesus says, the Father is seeking such to worship Him. What does the Father want? He wants worshipers. Matthew 28, what did Jesus say to do? Go in all the world and make disciples of all people. What's the mission of God? The mission of God is that all the world see Him accurately. And for us to make disciples and worships, worshipers of that God. Amen. This is the mission of God. And this morning we have two options. Either to find where and how God is working this mission and get on board with Him, or the other option is we do what we want the way we want it with our preferences, with our likes, with our dislikes, and our agenda. There's only two options. Do it our way or get on board with God. So my question to the church is, is which one are you going to choose? Are you going to choose His mission or your mission? 
If I had to put my sermon in a sentence today, it would simply be this. In order to put missionaries and the gospel in the places of the world that need them today, we must surrender to the mission of God. We must surrender to the mission of God. And that meaning of surrender is I have to yield myself to the mission of God. Say, so how do we do that this morning? Well, let's look in Romans 15. Let's work through this real quickly. Not going to spend a lot of time uh, because there's lunch. I think lunch waiting, right? We have lunch today? Okay. Uh, and Oh, good. Thank you. Uh, look at verse 1 with me. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. If we're going to surrender to the mission of God, then number one, you have to prefer others over yourself. Here Paul writes, uh, and, and look at the language that he's using here. We ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor. Uh, look at verse 3. For even Christ pleased not himself. Look at the language that, that Paul is using here. He is simply saying, it's not about you. Church is not about you. The, the mission of God is not about you and, and, and me and, and the pastor. No, the church and the mission of God is about Him. He just said it a minute ago. For me, Paul said in Philippians, for me to live is about me. No, for me to live is Christ. Everything is about Christ. He further said in Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other, 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 better than themselves. Jesus said it this way in Luke 9, 23, and he said to them all, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Listen this morning, church, if we're going to get on mission with God, if we're going to get vision 2035 completed, then we need to understand we need to prefer those that are weaker than us. We need to prefer those that bear the infirmity of a lost, sinful nature. We need to be as Christ is and not considering ourselves. Church, please understand that the mission of God is not going, it is not about you being comfortable. It's not about you being considered. It's not about us being careful. If you are going to get the gospel around the world, then you're going to have to get over our pettiness, our preferences, and put those that are without Christ out front and get them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even the children agree. <laughs> oh, listen. We, we, we are living, and I know you've heard this. I know your pastor well enough. He's talked to you about this. We have gotten way too comfortable with American Christianity. Where the church is about us. 
No, it's not about us. It's about Him. And what does He want? He wants us to get the gospel to the world. What, what is it going to take? What am I going to have to sacrifice? What am I going to have to give up? What am I going to have to do? You need to ask yourself those questions. What am I going to have to do to be obedient, to prefer them over me this morning? Number two, we keep going, verses four through six, to surrender to the mission of God. You have to work on unity. You have to work on unity. Verse four, for whatsoever things were written aforetime, now, you follow me? Are we, are, are we following the Word? Okay, so what things were written aforetime? That means before me. That means Old Testament. So what things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now, the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to who? Now, church, this will go a whole lot faster if you help me. Okay? We're to be like-minded one toward another according to who? Christ. Not you. Not me. My, like, my, my job is not for us to always agree. I'm going to talk about it in just a minute. My job and your job is to agree with Christ. To agree with Christ. Look at verse 6. That ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we're going to surrender to the mission of God, if we're going to complete vision uh, 2035, then you and I have to work on unity. Now... I could probably spend the rest of the service on this, but I don't have time. But unity has to be, to me, the most, one, the, the most misunderstood principle in all the Scriptures. We think unity in church means that we all agree on the same thing. We're all going to be alike. In other words, I, 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 agree on, uh, I, I agree on style, I agree on dress, I, and if we don't agree, if someone doesn't agree with us, then we don't have unity in church. That's not what unity is. Unity, or as Jesus uses it in John 17, oneness, oneness is both parties recognizing that the gospel and the mission of God is bigger than your differences. Did you hear that? Unity, or oneness, is both parties recognizing that the gospel and the mission of God is bigger than our differences. Unity is not the absence of disagreement. Unity is saying, I believe that God's mission is bigger than me and is bigger than what I think is important. And the other party is saying, I do too. So we're going to come together and work on the mission of God together, even though we don't agree. Can I, can I give you an example of that? Now, imagine, imagine this morning if, if instead of having the video for the missionary, imagine Pastor had a missionary come and he had a beard all the way down to here. And he had on a shirt that flowed all the way down to his shoes.
And immediately we would think, he's of the Islamic faith. But actually, he's a missionary. Now, some of us would go, well, bless God, he's not separated. He needs to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Now, we could argue all day what's right and what's wrong. What you like, what you don't like. But here's what that missionary knows. If I'm going to get them the gospel, wherever that is, I have to dress this way. I have to look this way. As a matter of fact, the reason I bring that illustration up is because I know someone right now. That's exactly what he's had to do. I can't mention his name. I can't mention where he's at. But I can tell you this, it would not be a place you'd choose to live today. And he's taken his family, and he's taken the gospel, and he's trying to reach them with Jesus Christ. And we can, we can disagree. We can say, I don't think it should be done that way. It doesn't matter, because what's bigger than your preference and my preference? The mission of God. And unity is us saying, you know what? I wouldn't do it that way, but that's okay. He's following Jesus, so we're going to get behind him and let him do what God wants him to do. That's unity. That's oneness about the mission of God. What does it take? What is it going to take? Listen, church, what is it going to take to get them the gospel? It's going to take our unity. Our unity. Right here. Do we agree that the mission of God is bigger than what my preference is? I hope so. Jesus was so concerned about this for the disciples and for the church that Jesus mentioned over five times in his last prayer before the cross in John 17 that they would be one. And by the way, those 12 dudes, they had problems. Peter, James, John, doubting Thomas. They all had issues. And Jesus was so concerned about the gospel going forward that he said, Lord, five times, Lord, let them be one. Let them have oneness. Let, matter of fact, Jesus even prayed for you in John 17. He said, let them that will believe be one. Why? Because he knew we all have different attitudes and preferences and how we see things, but the mission of God is bigger than us. Jesus knew that we needed we needed unity, and he prayed for that. Paul here says, my prayer, my hope is that you, church, will be like-minded according to Jesus Christ. If we're going to be on mission with God, you have to work on unity. Number three, to surrender to the mission of God, we have to see the world the way Father sees it. We have to see the world the way Father sees it sees it. So pa Paul's writing, he said, okay, church, it's not about you, it's about, it's about others. Uh, you need to be sure you're working on unity and, and, and staying in oneness together uh, as Jesus Christ and glorifying Him. Look at verse 7. Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I, now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Amen. Old Testament. And that, now that, look at verse 8. I, I'm, you're, I'm big on punctuation in the Bible. The sentence isn't over. 
He's talking about the Old Testament fathers, and the sentence isn't over, but he says, and the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. The reason he didn't end it, because the Old Testament also talks about the Gentiles coming to faith. Amen. So it's, it's, it, it's still continuous thought here. As it is written, where was it written? In the Old Testament. For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again, another place, he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, another place, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. Verse 12, And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise and to reign over the Gentiles, and in him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. What is he saying here? We, If we're going to see to get a missionary in every country by 2035, then we have to see the world as he sees it. Jesus came in verse 8 and delivered the truth to the Jews to fulfill the promises made in the Old Testament. Psalm 98.3 He hath remembered His mercy and His truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of God. Jesus came not to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law and the promises made. Verse 8. Now, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11, and verse 12, He quotes four more places in the Old Testament. In verse 9, it's a quote from 2 Samuel 22.50 and Psalm 18.49. Verse 10 is a quote from Deuteronomy 32.43. Verse 11, Psalm 117.11. And verse 12, Isaiah chapter 11 and Isaiah chapter 42. You say, Pastor Gary, what is the point? Here's the point. God is not a Jewish God. God is not an Israel God. God is a promise-keeping God who sees the world and He loved the world and He gave His only Son to die for the world and you and me Psalm 67 and verse 3 let the people praise thee O God let all the people praise thee O let the nations be glad and sing for joy for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon the earth I know, I know the times. I watch the news. I know the environment that we're living in. Can I say this to you? God is no respecter of person. It is not about color or race or creed or nation or rich or poor or northerner or southerner. God has no respect for any of that. He died for all. For God so loved the world, mankind, the human race, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, whosoever, whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but has everlasting life. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, nor circumcision, nor uncircumcision, barbarian, or sympathy, bond, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Listen to me this morning, church. Do you see the world as Father sees it? 
I don't know if you could tell in my voice when I get excited, I sound Southern. It's because I am Southern. Hallelujah. I, I tried to, I, I have been trying to lead the succession of New Jersey from the north. Hopefully Governor Mur Murphy watches this. I'm just kidding. Just kids. I grew up in the deep south. I know what growing up in a racist environment is. You don't need to know the details. I just, I know. But I, I, I want to say this to you this morning. Because I don't believe that we have a racist problem in America. Now don't, hold on, hold on, don't get mad. We do have a prejudice problem in America. A prejudice problem. We all have prejudices in America. So what do you mean? See, it's just not about color. It could be the way someone dresses. Shake your head. It could be the tattoo on somebody's neck. My son, who's not here today, Ethan, we had a, he, he's my intellectual child. Luke is okay. <laughs> Ethan's my intellectual child. And, and he said this to me, and he, he makes us think, so, and he makes us defend the Bible. He said to me, now listen to this. He said, Dad, why is it right that when someone was to walk by our car who looks homeless, dressed homeless, has, a, has raggedy clothes on and all this, and the first thing we do is lock the door? And yet, a man walks by with a suit on, clean cut hair, nice glasses, clean, and we don't think nothing about it. Can I say to you, that has nothing to do with racism. It has everything to do with prejudice. See, our problem is we're prejudiced. We're prejudiced maybe to color. We're prejudiced maybe to religion. We're prejudiced to style of clothing. We're prejudiced to tattoos. We're prejudiced to piercings. Now, please don't, listen, I'm from the South, so here's what I'm going to say a Southern thing to you. Don't get quiet now. We're, we're prejudiced to what side of town they come from. We're, we're prejudiced if we think, if we see somebody with a different color hair, what do we automatically think? See, that's prejudice. So I, I, I want to say this to you. Father is not prejudice. Amen. We even teach that to our children. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in His sight. We try to teach our children not to be prejudiced, and yet we sing that at church, but we raise them at home to become prejudiced. And I'm guilty of it. And you're guilty of it. But I'm going to tell you, if you're going to reach the world with the gospel, you've got to get over your prejudice. You've got to repent of it. 
and say, Lord, please give me the eyes of Father to see people as you see them. To love them as you love them. To talk to them as you would talk to them. Are you with me? See, if you're ever going to reach the gospel, if you're ever going to reach the world, you've got, you've got to see the world as Father sees it. Number four, I could tell that one over like a lead balloon. I better move on to the next one. Uh, number four, if you're going to surrender to the mission of God, it's going to take the power of God to get it done. Look at um, verse 17. Uh, where's we, where are we at here? Let me let me back up to um, let me back up to verse fourteen. And I myself am also persuaded of you, brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you, in some sort, as putting you in mind because of the grace that was given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles may be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about Illyrium, and I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so I've strived to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should be built upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he has not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. Now, if this is going to happen, we can't do it. We need something outside of us. We need the power of God. Paul is saying here that if the Gentiles are going to hear and receive the gospel, then you need to know there is a God part to this equation. That only He can do and He must do. I want you to know I need Him to do it. You need Him to do it. Let me summarize these verses. That if the Gentiles are going to believe, if Burkino Faso is going to become believers according to verse 18, here's what he's saying to us. Look at verse 19. The church and the missionary need the power of the Holy Spirit. Through many signs and wonders and by the power of the Spirit of God. The church needs power. The, spirit, the, the missionary needs the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, and you shall receive what, church? Power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Listen, I don't know about you, but it is, I, I know pastor does and I do, and we beg God for His power to preach the Word. We are but ashes and dust and clay, we're feeble, we, we bumble our words, we spit out stuff as we preach. Paul called it the foolishness of preaching. Look like, sometimes we're like nuts up here. 
But He said, it's not of me, but it is of Him. We need the power of God to fall and for you to be able to see the truth of God's Word. To understand. How, is, how are Muslims in Burkina Faso going to understand Jesus Christ only through the power of the Holy Spirit? How are we going to send out missionaries and finance it and give and print scriptures and translate? How are we going to only with the power of God? So he says we, the church and the missionary need the power of the Holy Spirit. But look at verse 19 and 20. Why do we need that? So that we can go to the places where the gospel needs to be taken. That from Jerusalem, round about Illyrium, I fully preach the gospel of Christ. I strive to preach the gospel not where Christ is named. How are we, why do we need the power to go to the places that need the gospel? How is a missionary going to get back into Burkina Faso? How are missionaries right now that are stuck at home, sitting here waiting to go, how are they going to get back in? Only through the power of the gospel, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need the power to take the gospel where places need it. To three, to, to third, verses 19 and 20, so that we can preach the gospel where it's not been spoken. Paul says, I have spoken the gospel where Christ is not named. 3.3 billion people have not heard Jesus. How are they going to hear Him? Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the church needs power. The missionary needs power to take the gospel where it needs to be taken to preach the gospel where it's not been spoken. And in verse 21, what is the result of the power? Look at what he says in 21. To whom He was not spoken of, they shall what? See. The ones who've never heard Jesus, when the power of God is present, the blinders of the enemy fall off. And they see. And they that have not heard shall what? Understand. Oh, church, why do we need power? Because we need to be able to see clearly and hear with understanding what we truly need. And what you need and what I need is Jesus today. The problem that we find in our churches is that we are trying to operate in the power of ingenuity and not the power of the Spirit. Fourthly, or fifthly, verses 22 to 29. I, I'm only going to mention this and move on. I don't have time. But to surrender to the mission of God, we have to show grace and understanding to the missionary life and family challenges. Look at what Paul said here in verse 22. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But having no more place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints... For it has pleased them of Macedonia Caia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. When therefore I have performed this and have sealed to, you, to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And I am sure that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. 
just want to say this to you and I'm going to move on. Missionary life is a lonely life. Missionary life is work. It's taxing. It's tiring. But it's fruitful and it's rewarding. And it's uncertain. We know Paul never made it to Spain. He got to Rome and lost his head. It's uncertain. We never know what's going to happen as a missionary. And what we need to do as a church is to be graceful to them. To be understanding. They have a family. They have children. They have challenges and sickness and disease and struggles. Marriage problems. Oh, you, listen, I just want to tell you right now, if you, think, if you think missionaries don't have marriage problems, you don't know anything. Can you imagine living in a, in a, in a place in the world that you don't know the language? What a ta- how taxing that would be on your marriage? She can't go to ShopRite. She can't go to Aldi's. You can't run to Wawa to get a hoagie. It's taxing. How about cooking with food you've never eaten in your life? Do you think it's taxing? We need to be gracious and understanding. That's what Paul's writing here. And then, and then lastly, and I'm going to wrap it up. If we're going to surrender to the mission of God, verses 30 through 32, now is the time to answer the call to pray. Paul finishes up his chapter here. As with a plea, verse 30, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do, eat, that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may uh, with you be refreshed. This is it, church. If we're going to reach Vision 2035, now is the time to pray. Time to pray. What we need is more specific corporate times of prayer. Remember, who is he writing this letter to? Say it. To the church. To you. And he uses some interesting language. He says, I beseech you. I beg of you, I implore you, if you love Jesus, how many love Jesus today? If you love the work that the Holy Spirit is doing, how many love the work the Holy Spirit is doing? Here's what he said, I beg you, pray for me. Pray for me. The church, pray for me. I, I don't know anything, so I'm just going to make this statement and let it fall on your runway. But when is the last time as a church we came together corporately and prayed for nothing but our missionaries? For their marriages, for their children, for their work, for the gospel, for Bible publication. He says, would you pray for me? Why, Paul? Why do you need prayer? Because I need to be delivered from those who oppose the gospel. Do you think anybody in Burkina Faso opposes the gospel? We know Muslims hate the gospel. So what are we praying for? God, would you please protect them? 
Would you, I pray for those right now who are opposing Him with the power of the work of the Holy Spirit and the gospel break through for those who oppose them. When's the last time we prayed that way for a missionary? Secondly, he says that for the national believers to receive his ministry of discipleship, he tells them in verse 31 that I want you to pray for those who accept, they would accept me, they'd accept my ministry. We need to pray for the believers that have received the gospel, that they would be discipled and grow. And then thirdly, he says, I want you to pray. Look at verse 32, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. Church, we need to encourage them. We need to pray for their encouragement. We need to pray for their, for their strength mentally and emotionally and physically. We need to pray that we can do whatever we can to encourage them. Now, I'm done. Watch this. Paul wrote a letter to you. He finishes the letter, almost finishes the letter, and says, if we are going to get the gospel to where Christ is not named, here's how it can be done. You need to prefer others better than yourself. You need to work on unity. You need to see the world the way Father sees the world. We need the power of God. We need to give grace to our missionaries. And we need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray. Now, here's what I like to do, and this is the way I do it, and I'm going to close it out today with this. Guys, would you flip the next slide? Oh, here it is. What is my next step, Pastor? What is my next step? If we're going to get it done, what's my next step? Well, number one, we need to humble ourselves to take the steps to unify as a church. Here's what that means. I know, I've already talked to your pastor, we're not giving a necessarily come forward invitation today, but here's my challenge to you. What is it going to take for you to unify as a church? You. What is it going to take for you to unify as a church? See, this isn't about what pastor needs to do. It's not about what the musicians need to do. It's about what you need to do. What do you need to do to work on unity? Are you thinking? Shake your head, let me hear something rattle. What do I need to do? Which leads me to my next step. We need to confess and repent of prejudices against others not like me. Now, uh, can I come down here? Okay. Confess and repent. Confess means you've got to admit you have a prejudice problem. And I have. I've had to do it. And repent means I need to turn from my prejudice is and turn to how see Father sees people. Unity means, I, and I can't do it now because we're not having an invitation necessarily, but unity means there may be a brother right in my church right now that I'm mad with, that I'm hurt with. Maybe I don't even like him. Can I say this? It's not about you. It's about the mission. So maybe when we're done today, you need to find somebody and go to them and say, listen, I've been hurt with you. I've been angry with you. I didn't like you for a long time, and I need to ask you to forgive me. 
And by the way, thank God Jesus has already forgiven us. Now I need to go get unity and make that right with them. Maybe there's someone who's not like you that you have a prejudice against, and you need to go get that right today. So you don't understand, these two first things right here are going to hinder your church reaching the world with the gospel more than anything. No unity and prejudices. And then thirdly, we need to come together and pray and sacrifice for the power of God and for laborers in the field. Jesus said this. Jesus says, lift up your eyes, look on the harvest. They are white or in the harvest. Pray for laborers. He didn't say beg for laborers. Pray for laborers. Pray for the power of God. Pray for God to call missionaries out of Open Bible Baptist Church. Are you the next missionary? Oh, pastor, I'm too old for that. No, you're not. I'm, I'm in retirement years, so. I didn't see retirement in the Bible anywhere. Did you, have you found retirement in the Bible? I never found that word one time in the Bible. Well, my 401k, listen, I don't care if you have a 401k, 403cb, 123xyz. I don't care. It doesn't matter what you have. What does Jesus want from you? What if you're the one to take the gospel to someone who's never heard? And he's waiting for you to surrender. And I'm going to say this and I'm done. I promise. I promise. Some of you parents, you need to let your children go. You heard me. Let them go. I, I was amazed when I came to Jersey, Pastor Rydell. When I came to Jersey, I had never heard families trying to buy houses next to them so they could put their kids next to them. Yeah, exactly. No way. Some of you parents have your child's life all mapped out, and not one time have you said to the father, Father, if you want them to be a missionary, then help me do everything I can for them to do the will of God. No, we're praying them into college. We're praying them into the BMW. We're praying them into the six-figure salary. We're praying into the house of the white picket fence. No, 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 no. That's not the mission of God. The mission of God is, God, if you want them to be a missionary, help me do everything I can to make them do, help them to do the will of God. Like I said, I'm just keeping it real today. What are you going to do to help complete mission 2035? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Obviously, we're not having a formal invitation of people coming down front. But I think your pastor uses this language as well. Anytime we come together, anytime we come together, we do two things. We reflect and we respond. Reflect means to simply say, Lord, what is it that you want out of this message to land on the runway of my life? What is it in my life today that this message needs to apply to? Maybe I need to work on my unity. Maybe I need to deal with some prejudices. Maybe I, maybe I need to pray better 
And then once you've reflected, it's time to respond. In other words, you're going to make a decision. And I invite you to make a decision right there. Just make your seat an altar. And say, Lord, what decision, what step can I make right now? Don't wait till Monday. Don't wait till after the meal. But right now, what step can I take right now that would change my life so that I could help get half the world that doesn't have the gospel. What can I do right now? Would you do it? Would you do it? Would you take the step right now? Father, thank you. I pray for them. I pray for the church of Open Bible Baptist as they will be filling out cards and they'll be making commitments. They'll be trying to get the scriptures published for a language, for a people group who doesn't have the gospel. Lord, let it be more than just a month in a year, but may they get on mission with God to see the gospel taken to where Christ is not named. And my prayer for them right now, oh Lord, is that if they need to make something right with their brother and sister, would they do it today? If they need to deal with prejudices, would they do it today? If they need the power of God to live by faith and walk by faith and give to missions, whatever it is, maybe a parent needs to give a child to you. Maybe a family needs to give themselves. Maybe a retired couple needs to say, here my Lord, send me. Whatever the step is, would you do it today? give them the courage to take the step. And we thank you, Jesus. And we love you. Hey, folks, thank you so much for watching today. I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, and you accepted him today into your life, and you put your faith in him, I would like to send you free of charge two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done written by a friend of mine, What Other Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible, and then secondly, a brand new Bible, just like this one, I'd like to send to you. So please, do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below, click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in, and I will be happy to send this book done and this brand new Bible free of charge to you. God bless you, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.